Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. So we'll just dive right into this now. Matthew, uh, we're in week 18, and now we're moving more into the, the Great Commission. So that's where we're going to be spending today and then uh, next week. So last week we kind of just, we identified, you know, we went through the chapters. We identified, right, that knowing the right answers isn't enough. Right? We have to live those answers. We have to do something with what we've been given. And that's what we looked at. And then we obviously ended off the, the message talking a bit about how do we apply the great command, which is to love God and love people, uh, how do we apply that in our current uh, circumstances with COVID and having gone through a church split? And that's actually where I want to pick up today because uh, it's important to me what we talked about last week was very important, that we don't miss the point, but even more so, I, I would hate to miss an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to really grab our hearts uh, because, you know, we don't want things just going in one ear and out the other. Amen? Right? And it's easy to hear something and even be convicted by it and then not take steps forward. And, and so I do want to practice this with you guys this morning. We're actually going to take some time to work through some of those steps uh, in, in the start of this message. Uh, our mission statement is to love God, uh, love people, and be disciple to make disciples. And, and how we do that, and you're going to hear this lots, you know, through this week and next week, obviously you're going to hear it more next week, uh, but you're going to hear these, you've already, we've talked about them multiple times over this last year. This is the kind of model we want to do with you, right? Like, we don't just want to teach you, that's the first one, we want to do it together. We want us to apply what we're learning together uh, so that each of us feels confident when we leave here to continue acting and being like the people of God, being like the church. Amen? All right. Putting the testimony of Jesus first in our troubles. This is kind of where we ended off last week. Um, Philippians says, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Now, again, Paul's not necessarily saying that everything in his life was rubbish, although I'm sure he thought of a lot of his sufferings that way. I'm sure he didn't enjoy them. But he's saying, whatever I've gained, whatever I've lost, he doesn't even, he doesn't even account it as anything for the sake of what he's earned and what he's uh, uh, pushing towards. And that's the idea of what we were getting at last week at the end of the message. Right? It's not that other things in life aren't important. It's that we're putting the most important as the most important because whatever is first... That's going to be the guiding principle that we walk towards. Does that make sense? So whatever's first in your life, you're always going to go there. And that's why Jesus says you can't serve two masters. Wherever your heart, uh, heart is there, your treasure will be also, right? And that's kind of how those things work together. So that's why it matters who sits on the throne of your heart. It matters what is most important in your life because that's always going to be what spills out of you everywhere else you go, okay? So he goes on to say that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Christ Jesus has made me his own. Um, brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That is what we were talking about last week. It is Paul modeled it and he taught it, and that's what we were talking about with this here, the most important, the testimony of Jesus in our life. Right? We are supposed to be image bearers. We're reflecting his glory on the earth. So we're showing people, that's part of our witness, is the testimony. We're showing Jesus to the world in the way that we be, uh, respond and react and live and talk and all that sort of thing with what we do as we go through things. So 
Uh, we're going to now go through a bit of a practical piece. So if you have a journal, that you might want to open your journal. Or if, you ha if you did grab a piece of paper at the door, you can grab that too. If not, I know many people kind of write on here. We're going to do it a little bit like, you know, prayer summit style, right, where we do a little bit of journaling. We're going to walk through the steps. And, uh, and if you don't have that, you know what? Prayer worked and listening prayer and hearing God before we had phones and paper, right? So don't feel bad if you don't have either of those things. Many people just do it internally. For me, I'm too scattered in here. There's too many things going on. So it helps me to be able to see it, right? So, but everyone's different. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to work through the pray, prioritize, love, and suffer, right? We're going to work through those pieces together because I don't want to miss the opportunity. Now, I want to start by saying something, though, and this is very important. Um, what about action? Like, what about action? Like, isn't action important? Like, when is the time to act? Or when is the, like, are we not allowed to have an opinion? Are you saying all we're ever allowed to do is pray, reassess your priorities, and then love? Well, I, I want to respond to that just very quickly, and then we'll jump into the practicums itself. Action is important. But action without love, the way the Bible defines love, is meaningless. Because we're, we're supposed to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. It's not just about doing the right things or trudging through. We're supposed to bear fruit for his kingdom. So action is important, but action without love is meaningless. And I get that right from 1 Corinthians 13. So if you're wondering, where do you, where do you pull that from? That's where I pulled that from. 1 Corinthians 13. So remember, love is. So love, you might say, well, it is loving that I'm standing for this action, this belief of mine. It is loving. Well, that action may be in line with what God wants you to do, but... 1 Corinthians 13 defines the flavor, the tone, or the heart behind those actions. So love is patient, kind, hopeful, sees the best. I want you to think about those that you may not see the best in or that disagree with you. Love sees the best in people. It rejoices in truth. It bears all things, endures all things, and believes all things. So that's, that's an incredibly high standard. And love is not envy envious or boastful, it's not arrogant, does not insist on its own way, it's not irritable, resentful, and it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, okay? So we're talking about that flavor. So that's why when we go into pray, prioritize, love, it's so important because it's going to help us get the, the heart right. And then from there, of course, there's going to be times he calls us to do this or times he calls us to do that. There's lots of time for action, but it has to come from the right heart. So let's start with the uh, first one, and we're going to go here. So pray like Jesus prayed. All right, the, the first one we're going to look at here is uh, with COVID-19, and we're just going to work through a few different things. And what I want you to do is just think about, take a moment and think about if you need to write it down. I'm going to write it down too. And just write down uh, what your thoughts, feelings, and opinions are. Everything that's gone in, through your head, whatever's going on in there.
pause for a moment. We're just kind of doing it at one pace together, right? So some it'll be too fast, some too slow, and that's okay. All right, close your eyes with me if you want. Let's just take a deep breath. All right, Lord, we give you all of our thoughts, our hurts, our feelings of loss, our opinions, whatever we are feeling uh, regarding COVID, Lord, we're, we're laying this down at your feet, Lord, whether it's about the restrictions or maybe we've lost a loved one, we're, we're giving this over to you. And today we ask that you would give us your heart and your perspective. So now we're going to switch gears. And I want you just to think about, because it's important that we respond in love, right? So I want you to think about those, maybe, maybe there's one person that comes to mind, or maybe there's a few, uh, those that you disagree with, right? And right now, I just want you to, you don't have to write, <laughs> if you're sitting beside people, you might want to use initials. <laughs> so <laughs> just for the sake, they might even be the person sitting beside you. Um, but, uh, and by the way, if COVID's not an issue, if you have another big issue, you can just insert your issue here and go through the same process. We're just learning how to, how to put the testimony of Jesus first in a hard circumstance, okay? So bring that person that you disagree with to the Lord in prayer. You can just write them down there and you'll see it on there. And then just start asking the Lord to bless them. If you want to write that out in, in your journal or if you want to just say it in your heart and just begin to pray a prayer of blessing over them and pray that God would give you his heart towards them. on its own way. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Lord, we pray, Lord, for those even within the body of Christ, especially there, we start by praying there that, Lord, that you would, that you would not allow, Lord, that you would not allow division within your body. We pray, Lord, that you would keep us unified, that you would remind us in the moment. I know what it's like, Lord, the moment of disagreement where it's about, I just 
but, but you have to see it from my point of view and we're fighting our points of view and suddenly we go from just trying to, to see eye to eye to one's trying to be right over the other and we have division. Lord, that's not what you had for your church. Luke's, or, or John 17, you prayed an entire prayer, a beautiful prayer, praying that we would have unity in the church in the same way that you had unity in the Trinity. And so, Lord, that's our prayer, that you would help us maintain the unity, that you would keep the most important important, and that you would give us a heart of love and soften us and grace towards others that, that viewed things differently. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now we're going to go to the next one here. And the same thing. Now we're going to switch gears to the church split. Last week, just talking about it, I heard from many of you that it was healing, just that we talked about it. And we were praying that we move forward. We were praying for it this morning as a church, and part of moving forward is exactly this. This is what we've always taught, right? We pray, and you're like, well, I don't know what to pray, because I'm still struggling inside. That's why praying is as much for, we want God to move there. Absolutely, amen, don't you? Don't you want to see the Holy Spirit do a work there and captivate people's hearts? Absolutely, yes, but prayer is also about us. It's about us. And so think about what would you want God to do in this church family? What would you want to see him do here? If you're struggling what to pray, you can start by praying that. So just take a moment and we can write this out. Just write out a couple of bullet points is probably all I'm giving you time for. that's in there or any gossip that you've participated in, just confess that to him immediately. Jesus said, if possible, may this cup be taken from me, but not as I will, but as you will. So something that you'll have to know, uh, prioritizing is all about putting Jesus first. That's what we're talking about. It's not about not doing anything else. Does that make sense? There's still a life we have to live and decisions we'll have to make and actions we'll have to, to follow through on. Absolutely, yes. 
getting the priorities right, though, is making sure that you're surrendering those actions and reactions that you have in your life uh, to, God's, to God's will, just like Jesus modeled for us. And so that's what we're going to do here. Um, just prayer, prayerfully inside, uh, just begin to surrender that heart to him. Whatever, whatever you've been carrying regarding whether it's church split or other hards, or hardships that you've been going through or COVID, uh, regardless of what side you're on, let's just begin to surrender that back to Jesus and say, Lord, we want to see your will be done. Uh, we want your heart and perspective on these things. All right, so just do that. I'll give you, I'll give you about a minute for that. so right and then got it so wrong in so many different ways and Lord I think all of us here can identify with that there's often this heart of Lord we want to do your will we want to see your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and then the storms start raging around us and we jump out and we're walking in water and the storms are raging and suddenly we're sinking beneath the waves and so Lord today we are asking Lord that that you would help us that you would help us have faith and keep our eyes fixated on you we ask and we realize that we are not strong enough to do that. We actually need your spirit to do that within us, to give us that ability to, to reprioritize and refocus onto you. And Lord, if there are things in our lives that we need to push aside or to change or, or reprioritize or shuffle around, uh, then we're telling you today, Lord, whatever is your way is our way. Uh, let your will be done and not our own. Right, we're gonna get to the, basically the last step here. And this one here, you'll see who is someone you have been, there's two things. Who is someone you've been disagreeing with? And if you don't have anyone, if you don't have anyone in your life that you're disagreeing with, good on you. Don't worry about that. That's awesome. That's amazing. But if you're like most people in here, there's someone that you have been butting heads with and also someone that you know needs encouragement. Think of two names. Just put those names down first. for them and perspective on how he sees them.
on one of them, the one that you think needs an encouragement. If you have your phone here, you can just pull it out and encourage them right now. And if you don't, if you want to just write it down and then send it to them later or call them later, that's totally fine too. But uh, I'll give you a minute right now and just that the one who needs an encouragement in your life. And what are we doing here? We're actually putting love God, love people first. We're saying this is the most, most important thing, that this is the flavor of who we are, that we're encouragers, that we're speaking life into people's lives. Uh, and then, of course, we still got to deal with our hardships and stuff after that. So I'll give you a minute to do that. That's totally fine, but I'm going to carry on. Um, but we started something here. If you need more time to do it, then, then continue to do it. Now, of course, there was one more step, and that was suffer like Jesus suffered. And on that, we're not going to do anything here. The whole point is we pray, prioritize, we love, and then we repeat. And this lays the foundation of putting the testimony of Jesus first. Right? So then there's still going to be things he asks you to do and calls us to do and for such a time as this and all that kind of stuff. I totally get that. Many troubles require many different kind of solutions. They tried to crucify Jesus twice. Once he slipped out amongst the crowd and the next time he allowed himself to go uh, to the cross for our sake. So there is definitely action required, but these are the things that we see Jesus doing, praying. He was always praying and praying for those that were persecuting him, praying for his friends, praying for himself. And then you see him reprioritizing in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's sharing with God his heart and what he wants, but then submitting that to the Father, uh, which is absolutely incredible. And then obviously we see him loving even on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that's the model, amen, that we're trying to model to the world. And that's why we do an exercise like this. So um, switching gears here. Uh, we are going to talk a bit about the Great Commission. And then next week we're going to get more into the practical side. Uh, but this week I do want to... Um, talk a little bit about, well, I want to read it to you first. We'll start there. Great Commission, go and make disciples. First thing, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted, and Jesus came and said to them, here it comes, 
All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What an incredible charge and promise. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible. This actually reflects, again, we talked about Deuteronomy 6. I won't go through, uh, spend a lot of time here, but really the Great Commission reflects this. It's just saying Deuteronomy 6 in a whole, like it's just saying it in different words, right? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, uh, soul, and might. And these words that I command you shall be on your heart. You shall teach them to your children. So you start in your family sphere, in your friend's sphere like this. But then it says you shall uh, and talk of them when you sit in your house, people that are coming in, when you walk by the way in your community, when you're going out. This is to be the mark of, of a believer. And I want you to think about this. I know Jesus said greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Amen. There is no greater love than that. Right? To, to lay yourself down for another is absolutely the highest form of love. Jesus modeled that. But I would say after that uh, would, be, like, uh, would be surrendering to Jesus and sharing him with the world around you. Think about this. Can you imagine being married to someone that didn't ever want to be seen with you in public? Can you imagine that? Just think about that. Like, we're going to take, we're going to, yeah, we want two vehicles. Well, why? Well, I was thinking we could just drive in two separate vehicles. It'd be nice for you, hon. And then we drive two separate ways and sit on opposite sides of the sanctuary and not tell anyone that we know each other. It sounds absurd, amen? Doesn't that sound absurd? Right? There is something, there's an expression of love that when I love someone that I want to share them with everyone else. I want them to experience what I've experienced. And that's really the heart behind it. I don't want us going into discipleship thinking, oh, it's just like a bunch of do's and don'ts and I have to do this and I have to do that. That's not the heart. We're talking about a God who took on flesh, who paid the price for your sins, who loved you. Think about that. Loved you in all of your mess and still does. A God who waits patiently for us. Why would he wait patiently for us? Why? Ever. Why would he offer us so much grace? Why would he send his spirit to us? Why does he give us purpose? Right? Would you ever look at someone, like if you had a company, would you look at the person who keeps making mistakes and then give them, give them authority or give them any kind of purpose? No, you'd want to rob, you'd want to take that away. And yet God, for some reason, leaves. He could do it perfectly, and he could. He could. But he doesn't. He leaves, sends his spirit to empower us, and allows broken human beings to accomplish his purpose here on the earth as we fumble around and stumble in the dark. Absolutely incredible. As we fall in love with him, though, that's exactly what we should be doing. So this is supposed to all be an expression of love God. Remember, love God, we have the great command and the great commission. Love God is the first thing. All of this stuff that we've been talking about is flowing out from love God, right? Because I want to express that. So I want to testify who he is and what he's like to the world around me. And that is the point. So how do we get to that? Like, so we want to get to, to being this church that's, that's focused on both the Great Command and the Great Commission, right? A church that is known for loving God, loving people, being discipled, and making disciples. And so i got a lot more practical things to talk about next week. But before we get to that, I want to talk about a shift in the way we think and a shift in the way we do things. And it's not just talking about here. I actually find at, at Southland over the years, we have made a lot of these shifts going forward, but we need to continue to shift. 
And one of the pictures uh, that I want to just share with you or to help you understand, right? Because how do you go from, you know, being a church that isn't necessarily engaged in that to being a church that, like, what does it look like from church now to a church that's fulfilling the Great Commission? All right. I'm going to give you a picture of um, uh, ships, right? All right. So if we talk about a, a cruise ship versus a warship. Now, these, this is an imperfect picture. So don't you know, don't, don't get stuck on the picture and say, well, I don't know about that. Don't worry about that. Just follow me a little bit on the thinking. So the, the Western church is often, and, and you even hear that sometimes when the Western church is talked about in other parts of the world, they often see us this way. We're like the cruise ship in the sense of there's often this paradigm shift of, you know, you come to church and you hear a message and really the, the bulk of the ministry is done by pastors, right? And you kind of come, you receive, and then you go out and you live your life. And that's more like a cruise ship, right? And it's not, it's not that it's bad. You're still getting on there. You're still learning. You're engaging. But it's different than a warship. Like a warship is very different because you're not coming as a passenger. You're not coming as a consumer. You're actually coming as part of the crew. There are no passengers. So that's the first thing. So when you look at the main function of a cruise ship, and that is obviously pleasure in good times, right? You want to have a good time. You want people to feel entertained. You want them to feel met heard, all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, versus a warship, if we're going to compare the analogy here, is they, they're, a warship is, uh, the function is to be ready for difficult circumstances, whether battles or storms or crisis. That's the purpose of a warship, to be ready for whatever comes our way, right? If it's good weather, if it's bad weather, we're going to be ready. We're going to be ready for whatever comes. That's the purpose of a, of a warship. So we'll go to the next way that we can look at this. Success. How do you define success when you look at a cruise ship, when you look at, at a warship, okay? So success is defined very differently. On a cruise ship, if you had terrible weather the whole time, let's say they had a nice deck with uh, pools. I don't know. I've seen pictures. I've never been on one. But I think they often have pools and nice stuff. But let's say it's raining and storming the whole time. Would you report that we had an awesome trip? No, you'd be like, ah, you know, it was stormy. There was lots of waves. We didn't get to spend any time on the deck. So really, success is defined by fair weather, right? It's defined by fair weather, and we didn't have problems, and nothing wrong happened, nothing bad happened, right? So we were able to go. We had a really good time. That's how success is defined on a cruise ship. And when you look at success on a warship, it's very different. It's actually not defined at all by storms or by fair weather or even by pleasure. It's actually defined by unity. Unity and obedience, uh, it's defined by a body of people coming together, being unified in purpose, and working together, each one having its own job, working together in unison together, enabling them to weather whatever comes our way. Does that make sense? That'd be a warship. So you wouldn't want a crew where everyone's doing their own things on a warship, right? Everyone has to listen to their commanders and so on and so forth, and they all move together. You can see some of the pictures here. And lastly here, who does the work? Well, on a cruise ship, the, the main bulk of the work is done by the staff. You have staff that are hired. I don't know how many staff are on a cruise ship. I don't know how many people either. Probably around 6,000. So I imagine that's hundreds of staff. But the point is the work is done by the staff, right? Most people are passengers. So you come and you're a passenger, and the staff's job is to make sure the passengers, you know, have what they have, right? As we're a warship, they're not passenger ships. On a warship, everybody has a purpose, Everyone has a role, everyone has a job, and they're all important not just by themselves, but they're also important as they relate to each other, right? So you can see the big differences here. And now, like I said, it's not a perfect 
it's not a perfect analogy in the sense of I'm not saying that our church is supposed to look like a warship and we're supposed to be having a big explosions and guns everywhere. That's not at all what I'm implying. But when you look at how you define those two, you can see in many cases a lot of what we see in the Western church on that cruise ship side. And, and then you can see a lot of what we find in Scripture and in some of the persecuted areas of the world, we see more what we see in the, on the warship side. And so if we're going to be a church that actually is effective and, and fruit-bearing in both loving God and loving people and being discipled and making disciples, which is the mission of the church, that is the first shift that we kind of have to make as we're moving in that direction. Now, I think here at Southland, we've actually already been making a lot of those shifts over the years. And one of those shifts, and I'm going to skip forward here just for the sake of time, and that's all good. Just give me a second here. There we go. One of the shifts that we've made over the years is exactly this. Knowledge-based discipleship versus obedience-based discipleship. And what you find on, on a, like, if we're going to get this to work, we have to shift from one to the next. Now, it's not saying knowledge isn't important. Knowledge actually is vitally important. We need to be taught what is right. We need to be taught what to do. But from there, it's, it's not just supposed to sit in here and collect like a library. It's supposed to motivate us into action, right? So one leads to, the, leads to the other. And that's one of the shifts that we've actually been very passionate about at Southland for, for many years. If you think about the set free, for instance, right? What do we say when we come there? Well, if you come at the end of the month, you'll hear me say this. I'll say it probably almost exactly like this. This retreat is not about a bunch of in-depth teaching and doctrine. I'm going to assume that you believe a lot of these things. I'm going to give you bits of information followed by practice. Then we're going to practice, right? We're going to teach, then we're going to do. Well, that's exactly when you look at, at, at what the church is supposed to do. That's the way the church is supposed to function, right? And that's really what James, I mean, think about what James says in James 1, uh, 22, or 21 to 25, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. I was doing that this morning. But then it says, he looks, looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. That's the kind of church that, that we're moving towards becoming. And that's, that's what gets me excited. Now, I know there's questions on, what, well, like, where do we start? And how do we, like, how do we kind of get this going? And I think we're actually a lot closer than you guys may, may even think. I mean, you guys' heart, we've been doing this stuff for years together, right? We've been doing a lot of discipleship in here. And what I'm really excited about is getting each person in here, getting our church uh, into a spot where we feel like fulfilling the great command and the great commission is accessible to each one of us in the sense of it's simple. It's not complicated. It's not so difficult that only a pastor can do it, but it's something that each one of us can engage with in regardless of our age, demographic, marital status, and so on and so forth, because it is the mission of the church. Now, I know we don't have, I want to get into, there's a few notes here. I'll have to move till the end for next week. So for now, because we are nearing the end, I want to start with, uh, I want to share one more verse here, and that is not, here, just skip forward here. Nope. This is why I have my own clicker, because sometimes I skip through my notes. Oh, I skipped it off. So where do we start? Prayer and the Holy Spirit. That's where we start. 
So Acts 1 verse 8, which echoes the Great Commission, says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all, the, all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What we need, the first thing that we need in order to go forward. So next week we're going to talk about what are we, what are we being discipled in and, and how do we go and make disciples and what does that look like for each person. We're going to tackle that next week. But for now, where do we start? And we start with we actually have to invite the Holy Spirit in. And this is something we do here often. But that's how I want to end uh, today's message, is praying for you and praying for us, praying that we would be filled with the Spirit. We need to be Spirit-led as we step forward and empowered by, his, by Him. Because only He can bear fruit in us. Right? Apart from Him, we can do what? Nothing. So, I want to pray for you guys. Can you put your hands out like this? Our goal as a church is to genuinely care for people and to make fully devoted followers of Jesus within our church and within our region. People that are being renewed and equipped for mission that do all for the glory of God. Lord, this is our heart at Southland. This is our heart. We want to please you in everything that we do. We want to love you in everything that we do. We recognize that what you have done for us is something we can never pay back. You loved us while we were still sinners, while we were still broken. So Lord, today we approach you with humility, recognizing we haven't gotten it all right with COVID and how we've responded. We haven't gotten it all right with church splits. We haven't gotten it all right in our families and marriages and with discipleship. We haven't because we're human and we're broken. And so today, Lord, we humbly ask that you would come and that you would fill this place with your presence. Lord, we ask, we invite you here, Holy Spirit. This is your church. It's not our church. We exist for your purposes. So Lord, would you move in each one of us? I ask that you would fill us from our spirits to our mind and will and emotion. Lord, that you would enable us to turn from any kind of sinful vices that we've been holding on to, any distractions in our life that we would turn from those things and turn wholeheartedly to you. And then, Lord, would you empower us to bear fruit for your kingdom, that we could take the joy, that we would have the joy of being able to partner with you in fulfilling the great command to love you and love people, to love the least of these. Lord, that the food and clothing drive, what we saw there, that it would just, like, that's just one expression of who you are. Lord, that we would be a church known for that type of generosity in our community and the region. And Lord, that we would be a church that would be known for our passionate love for you. And so Lord, would you do that in us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.